0: For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
1: I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On! Crime Writers On! is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts, And on this episode, survivors say the reform school at Mount Megs was more like a slave plantation. We'll discuss the eight-part investigative series, Unreformed, the story of the Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Other Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin.
0: Rebecca, I want to point out something here. This giant, like, I, how, how, how big of a cup do you it think is, this I is? I know
1: exactly how big it is. How big is it? It's 20 ounces. Oh, Ooh. okay.
0: Um, I was looking for, you know, a, a, a little cold beverage, and I decided, ah, oh, screw it. I've got all this margarita mix. I'll and have two. It, do you have a 20 ounce margarita? No. Yeah, well, that's what I guess I just ended up making. And wow, I That's my
1: smoothie cup, which is how I know it's 20 ounces.
0: Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> now Jose Cuervo is my smoothie.
1: All right. Jose well,
2: Cuervo, he is a
1: friend you, of you mine. Do you know what's interesting? Kevin never drinks when I make this podcast. You don't. You that's drink not true. Rarely. You drink tea? Well, recently. It, like maybe oh, but
0: people know. I'm coming in with my Captain and Coke or my Seven rare, and Seven. And not
1: and, like you used to. Like, you, like, ever since, like, your vocal surgery thing, you have been very reticent to, like, uh, and also because, like, we don't philosophically believe in, like, drinking while podcasting. I sometimes just bring down the drink I was having while we were making dinner when we we're making the podcast, but I also always bring down like a hydrating drink. You ever since your vocal surgery are not like, "Hey, we're just like drinking while podcasting." That is unusual as hell it's and a big glass. All right. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady and author of The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hello,
2: Laura. Hey, Rebecca, I do not have a 20-ounce margarita um, over here Mm. in Exeter, Most people don't. Most people don't. You're jealous. You're just jealous. I am. I have like a four-ounce glass of dry Riesling, so that's what I got going Mm -hmm. on. Yeah. 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 And finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host
1: of Stranger Rivals, and our Patreon, Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. So, Kevin, obviously this is Monday's fine program.
0: Obviously.
1: What is happening on Thursday's show?
0: Well, I wish I could remember. I didn't write it in the script. Oh, wait a minute. It's come to me now. We're talking about the Showtime documentary series, The 12th Victim. It's about the uh, Starkweather homicide case and the alleged accomplice, Carol Ann Fugate.
1: Okay. So, I have one piece of business I want to take care of before we start a review tonight. Okay. I want to apologize to everybody who is not 150 years old who watches Perry Mason or who watched Perry Mason growing up. I made an offhand joke in last week's episode and I said, I didn't watch the original Perry Mason because I'm quote, not 150 fucking years old. That was a joke that didn't land. And on Twitter, a lot of people tweeted about it and they were like, ha ha ha, I did watch it. And actually I am kind of 150, I knit or whatever. But I also got a couple of responses that were like, Rebecca, you're ageist. And I'm like, I wanna say, guys, you know I actively watch General Hospital, right? <laughs> like
0: So you're the pot calling the kettle black, is yeah, that what you're saying? I, yeah.
1: I was I was trying to be cheeky. I was and I was I am so conscious of snobbery and ageism. And I really, really am, especially when it comes to media consumption, because my own tastes tend to not be particularly um mainstream. (laughs) And uh, I do do love old school stuff. And I do love stuff that like, typically older people have watched and maybe continue to watch. So uh, I'm very, very, very sorry. To those of you who have written to me and said that joke didn't land. I, I didn't really mean it that way. So I apologize, really, sincerely from the bottom of my heart. And if you're continuing to listen, as a couple of listeners who have written in and have said, they will continue to listen, but only for Kevin and Lara and Toby um, oh. that's a
0: new Patreon level yeah by the that's way. right
3: <laughs> I we hope can make that
0: happen for you for hope It's
3: hope
1: $16 a, a month
0: <laughs> it's called the $150 level uh, this is the 150 level
1: I hope I can earn your trust back someday I hope I can by talking about uh, oh by the way one thing I didn't mention last week about the podcast we reviewed is that that podcaster had worked on As the World Turns my favorite soap opera oh, yeah. of all time which I did watch because I am in fact 150 fucking years old
0: oh no one's 150 fucking years old. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: I'm with you. I'm with you, people. I'm with you, and I'm very sorry that joke didn't land. All
3: right. Thanks, Methuselah. That's the biggest apology since I had to apologize to the entire country of Ireland like five years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wait, what did you do to Ireland? I don't remember. It's a TV show.
3: I thought I thought Father Ted was like on this little island off the coast of England, and everybody's like, that little... Island off the coast of England is called <gasps> Ireland. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think there is a little. I think it might be a little island off the coast of Ireland, but I don't want to get into all that. Again.
1: <laughs> you just did, though. You just outed it. Wait, uh, I, yeah, I think so. you just did cover for me. Thank you, Toby. All
0: right. There's Thank this you. movie about banshees. uh You don't want to look at that one either. I yeah, guess. yeah. I've banshees off
1: a little coast of England. It's. What? <laughs>
0: oh God! Do not! Oh my God! The emails next week.
1: <laughs> Listen, I don't think Kevin Flynn would ever confuse that for England. I really don't think he would. Oh no, he would not. <laughs> are you heading to Ireland in a few I weeks? I am
0: heading to Ireland in a few Ooh. weeks. yes. Yeah,
1: you are. You're very excited Ooh. about that? I'm gonna What's figure the out which. uh it's well.
0: See, this is my belated fiftieth birthday gift. Yes, uh, we were supposed to go, and then the pandemic happened, and so now I'm going with Lily, and we're gonna. Do one of those Lily, car tours? You should
1: explain who Lily is for maybe new listeners who don't know.
0: My daughter Lily and I? <laughs> Sorry. We're going to do a driving tour. We do like three days in Dublin and then we're hitting the road and we're going to, you know, family ancestral, not ancestral, but ancestral. We're going to be
1: knocking on doors being like, we're related. Yeah, just, yeah, just like, like an- White Lotus too, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Find out they only speak Irish and I'm like, oh,
1: yeah. I didn't <laughs> throwing, think that was a real thing. Throwing shoes at you and yeah. shit. <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: Are you going to go to West
1: Cork?
0: We're going to the West. Uh, we are going to actually, yeah, we're going to go to County Cork, but we're not going to go to West Cork, which you would think is like right next to Cork. It's not. It's, but it's- It's in the corner. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a little it's farther out off. There. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be one of those blow-ins.
1: Yeah. No, it's wonderful. You're going to have a great time, and then you're going to want to go back.
0: Ian, Mike, Ian Michael Bailey did invite me to crash on his couch. Yes. Yes. But we said oh my, no God. My, awesome. my God. My prediction is
1: you're going to go, and then you're going to gonna go back, and then we can go together.
0: Yeah, sure. Somehow it's going to work with you. Maybe we can do a podcast event there. (gasps) That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, and then we can. I know we got
0: great people there. (laughs) We got great people there. Someone there like went to uh, uh, Our Lady of Knock, which is a uh, pilgrimage place. When my dad was sick, and uh, did prayers there for him, and that was very meaningful to him. That someone would do that meaningful to me. Oh
2: yeah, I
1: remember that. Yeah, it's really interesting because there are. a lot of true crime fans in Ireland mm-hmm. and we have this like company we hired for uh you know like marketing for Bearbrook at NHPR a bunch of irish press did stuff and when i look at like the stats for our show and for bearbrook and like anything else like like ireland like there's fans in ireland there's like a fandom there are, they're there are listeners they're great yep maybe we could figure that out maybe we could do an event maybe we could do a festival
0: well, way to, way to elbow your way into my vacation.
3: <laughs> so have fun. Yeah, I'm great, saying
2: yeah. do the vacation, scope it out, find a van. All right,
3: I'll find a van. And we
2: have a listener that has um, Sheeds, our Irish listener, who has been very helpful giving friends of mine tours when they visit Ireland. So you may have some help from her. Yeah, you're a there.
0: couple of pets of the week uh, entries from her as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. All
1: right. So that I said that's it for chit chat. We have a very somber podcast to talk about, so can we transition? It feels like
0: we're just uh, treading water. We're just trying to put off talking about all this abuse.
1: We're a little bit like, all right, should we get into it now? Though, should we? I think, I think we got to do it. All right, let's go ahead and do it. Let's drop that first clip right now, leading off.
3: And
0: look at all of us, and then from that, he tells us about the place, and tells us that we should never try to run away. There is no escape there now.
1: A hundred years ago, Alabama took over a reform school that served black children who were, quote, wayward or broke the law. But survivors say the facility at Mount Megs was run more like a slave plantation, complete with forced labor and physical and sexual abuse. I mean, they would land us up in the morning. All the boys would have to hold their hose up in the air and when we get ready to go, to the overseer would say, chop down. And all of these boys would march to a field about five, six, seven miles away to work. Sometimes they ran to the field. For decades, segregationist politicians gave administrators a free hand at running the school. Then in the 60s, a whistleblower led a lawsuit to improve conditions with disputable success. But there was one particular part
2: that stuck with me that made me feel like I had to tell the story. Not what Mount Megs did to children, but how it changed the trajectory of those children's lives once they became adults.
1: School of Humans and iHeartMedia present Unreformed, the story of the Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children. Host Josie Duffy writes talks to victims to recount the institutional cruelty and intergenerational trauma inflicted by the school at Mount Megs. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Unreformed, so if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Now, Toby, this is a, like, we should just say it, a brutal podcast to listen to, but it's not a surprising podcast to listen to, right?
3: Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's about racism and white supremacy in the South, uh, you know, over a, a number of decades and, and sort of the changing face of it to a certain extent, but sort of the consistent, you know, devaluing of young black people's lives. And e- even though it starts with, and I guess we'll talk about this in a minute, with a sort of best of intentions for that time, it quickly devolves into sort of what you would unfortunately kind of expect with this kind of thing, which is... Sort of a recreation of, you know, quote unquote old South racial hierarchies and the, you know, differentiation between the treatment of children, of uh, between white and black children.
1: Now, so Kevin, we should mention that this podcast starts with the story of Lonnie Holly, who's an artist and musician who talks about. Um, you know, the story of his childhood is told at the beginning of this podcast, right? And it unbelievable. is
0: unbelievable.
1: probably the most traumatic story of any childhood I have ever heard in my life. He's one of, what, 27 children, yeah. uh, but he's found alone. He gets taken in by this family. He has this incredible story of abuse this hot poker that had to be removed from his head he's hit and dragged by a car he had adopted mother dies um, he lives with his mother's dead body for five days he ends up spending part of his childhood exploring like ditches and then he ends up at this horrible horrible place for many many years like listeners need to know that if they haven't heard this podcast It is a brutal listen. And I'm not saying that, like, avoid it, because that's just a listen that, like, we need to hear, but it is a brutal listen.
0: They had to rush me to the hospital because I was hollering and screaming. That was the first incident of me having to be involved with hospital was to get this poker iron pulled out of my head. Yeah, I mean, it was just this this constant cascade of trauma and violence. It just, I couldn't... (laughs) It's like if you it's like if you were telling the story and you just like wanted to make it even worse, you would come up with this other horrible thing that happens to him. And then in a way, it's almost like you would think, wow, the stability of an institution of some kind would be a blessing for him. And just not that one. The adults in his life before he wound up at Mount Megs all failed him in horrible, horrible ways. And like you said, the, probably the original intention of a facility like this was to, I don't know, I'd say rehabilitate or give a new chance to uh, black children and wayward white children and other facilities. It's the start of some kind of social safety net or at least the ability to try to, okay, what are we going to do with these kids? You would think that It was, you know, made for somebody like Lonnie and you just see he ends up being like the perfect example of how this unchecked power and cruelty just affects people.
1: It's really funny. I kept thinking about that, too, because... Sometimes you hear about like institutions usually are terrible. Like any institution is usually terrible. Like prison is terrible. The foster system can be terrible. Mm-hmm. Like any institution can be terrible for children, right? But sometimes you hear about stories like, you know, military school is terrible. But sometimes you hear these stories about how like oh like like that 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 um that documentary we did from HBO about that uh program that sent kids to fight fires right but then like occasionally there's like some chance for like some structure to bring some people like some layer of hope right like you're like this is terrible but like there are some stories here where like this was help it was better than what they had in not in this case (laughs) in like at least occasional circumstances Laura. Yeah, I didn't have a rock pile in my house. So, Laura, like, this reminds me a lot of, like, Connie Walker's reporting about, like, the indigenous schools in Canada, where it's like, but in those stories, too, like, we just took you from completely functioning normal families and then stuck you in these schools. and But that's true here, too, where it was like, you're not listening to your parents. And your parents were like, oh, my son ran away, or my son is incorrigible. And then this
2: is where you go, and it's like, fucking hell. Yeah, no, it's horrible. And and I did think as I was listening to this, and I was like, okay, so this is like kind of the southern version of listening in a way. I mean, it's not totally similar, but that same concept of the indigenous children sent to those, those schools. And, you know, they're stripped of their culture. They're made to speak English. And, you know, horrible things happen there. They're separated from their families. And then there's, you know, systemic abuse that's happening. And in this case, I think one of the things that sort of stuck with me is that This was set up with good intentions, whereas, you know, I I don't know if I can say that the indigenous schools were good intentions. Who knows? Maybe somebody thought they were. But, you know, we have that woman, Cornelia, and Cornelia is the person who, you know, is the daughter of an enslaved woman. And she thinks this could be a place to rehabilitate black children that have gotten in trouble. And, you know, you hear about her having connections and lobbying people and, you know you're so again you're thinking okay there might be something good here like you were saying Rebecca there might be something good here and then it just goes off the rails as soon as i mean i think really when the state of alabama takes it over the school needed funding that she and her club and her community couldn't sustainably provide but almost immediately after the state took over there were early signs that the way that they thought about the black kids in their care was drastically different than cornelia's outlook the first change renaming the school, the Alabama Industrial School for Negro Boys. But think about this. This was 1911 mm-hmm. when this was happening. 1911, children are being sent to this place. To me, I'm just thinking, I can't even imagine how horrific at that time in history. I mean, this is what, how, how long after slavery has been ended that this, this you know. Less and, and than 50 these, years. Yeah. So, you know, 1911, these children are being sent off there and the good intentions basically all of a sudden turn into what you said. It's like the house of hell or, you know, just a horrible experience. And it's just the stories you hear in this podcast, one child after another having horrific abuse, the children that escape and go back and then experience just beatings like you can't even imagine. I mean, it's just awful, I want to talk about those intentions, though, Toby, because we do hear this really compelling
1: portrait. I think Josie Duffy Rice does a really good job with this, you know, nuanced look at, you know, um, Cornelia and then that time and this idea. And it's not dissimilar to sort of some of the rhetoric we heard, like, in the 70s and 80s around, like, the bootstrap, you know, if only— Black people in America would do X, the respectability would be X, right? But you have to remember, this isn't a post Reconstruction era. And by the way, Reconstruction was not a failed government experiment; it was a sabotaged era where, like, white supremacists and white terror uh, completely went in and like destroyed the power that Black people had at that time. Um, and you know, there's this idea that if only uh you learn trades and you, you know, find your place and you learn respectability, then you can find your way. And and she be sort of became the, you know, one of the sort of out outspoken people about that. I found that was a very nuanced and smart portrait here in terms of sort of describing the quote good intentions. I thought that was really well done in this podcast.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. So she's you know, to a certain extent, a disciple of Booker T. Washington. And it seems like the idea is basically to get yourself to a situation. I mean, it's called the industrial school, right? So it's like you learn a trade, you get yourself to the situation where you can kind of earn the respect, I put this all in quotes, uh, of of white people. And And that's kind of how you advance your place in society is is to try and make yourself more palatable i guess in some ways so it, it feels like this fairly conservative i mean it, it just feels like you're you're trying to do what you can to seek approval mm. um, rather than I guess later on where you're, there's more sense of, of of justice and white approval should not necessarily be the goal right right but it seems kind of like that's that's sort of at least the way it's sort of described here is kind of what it is so you know in 1911 that that may have seemed like the best option yeah i i, I just i don't know enough about that but it was interesting because it, it it's not like a super progressive vision You know, it's more like, we're going to get you here. We're going to make you so you can fit in better. And then we're going to send you back out there. But the only real success story they have that she talks about, I mean, there's probably others, but the only one that you hear about is Satchel Paige. And he's like, got like one of the greatest pitching arms in history, right? So he's, he can't be like an example, really, just because he's just like, almost supernaturally gifted, and she, he kind of gets enough structure there, and apparently he's one of her favorites, that you know, he comes out of it in a better place. Uh, it's not entirely clear if that's indicative of most kids who are going there or not, but that, that seems sort of like the high point for this place, right? And then as soon as the state takes over, Cornelia's gone, then it seems like it goes from this idea where you're trying to improve people's lives, whether you agree with the way they're doing it or not, to this thing that's just basically about punishment. Page trying to hold off this, this forward-coming mob of, of white started throwing rocks with bad
0: intentions. And, you know, with his ability to throw, he was hitting people in the head. And he's lucky he didn't knock somebody's eye out. And the white youngsters luckily didn't complain to their parents about it.
1: So, Kevin, I know that we have to at some point transition to the business section. Yeah, let's do something
0: just slightly less tasteless. There's
1: (laughs) no way to do like a a way to do it in this podcast other than just to say we're going to the business section right now. Let's not be cheeky about it. What is going on in our Patreon? Let's interrupt our conversation real quick to talk about that.
0: Well, first off, we want to say hello to all of our great patrons who are now listening to Crime Writers on ad free. I mean, there's people who are like, "Congratulations, guys! Congratulations!" Listening to it on patreon because you're now at the let's do what we do level and you're getting the and how about this how about the new <laughs> cover art is
1: so funny to me. yeah we're making it more personal
0: <laughs> yeah how about the new cover art that you guys were getting just special to let you know it's the special edition also other great stuff going on in patreon for those folks who are deep divers They get to watch the recording of the next Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby's talking about Motor Spirit, and he's going to be recording live on May 10th
3: with whom? Our very own uh, Rebecca Lavoie. Who? Yeah, and uh, Janet Varney and uh, Jillian Pensavale, who is making her Deep Dive debut.
1: I hear she's big in podcasts.
3: That is my understanding. We got all sorts um, of
1: emails on that. Yeah, they're excited.
3: Are they excited? Awesome. Yeah, I'm really psyched too. I I've 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 been hoping that we could have Jillian on for, for a while now. So yeah, it's uh I've I've finished the book remarkably early. Uh for me. I'm usually about two days before we record. I finish up, but uh yeah, it's a good read. Uh, people should definitely check it out. It's it's not written in the same way most true crime books are. It's
1: chaotic, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah, and uh, <laughs> and he's got a take. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not it's not just a sort of recounting by the numbers what happened. Like he he's definitely got some pretty strong ideas uh, about how things unfolded and what's what's real Zodiac and what's what he calls the Zodiac, which is like people kind of projecting Zodiac on other things so anyway that's a long way of saying interesting book I think it's going to be a great conversation Rebecca and Julian are both like big boosters of the book as Toby uh,
1: knows because I was sending him photos of pages when I was reading yes. this book on the deck last summer I'd be like Toby Here's a photo from a page of this book. You would love this book. And Toby was like ignoring me because he's like, I'm at the island vacationing right now. I'm trying to
3: have fun. (laughs) Um, So, and then of course, Janet's always lovely and I'm the host, so you have to have me. So it should be a good conversation.
0: If you support us on Patreon at the leading off level. You get all sorts of exclusive content, including you'll get to hear the podcast version of the deep dive. You'll get uh, the latest episode of Married With Podcast, in which I bring to Rebecca my own relationship problem with an umpire. What? And you also get- Can I bring get...
1: my own relationship
0: problem? No. Uh-huh. With and... an umpire? <laughs> Being me, I'm the umpire in that problem. We also get to listen to the Crime Writers on After Show. This week on the After Show, we're taking another quiz. Yes! This time, I'm going to give you the name of a person who was accused of or suspected of a crime. Mm. But never convicted. Mm. And you have to name the podcast or <laughs> documentary that it's from. I lose. If I could get
3: even one of these right, I will be so happy with it. I them. think there's some
0: you'll get lose. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I lose, I lose, I lose.
0: And also if you sponsor us at the leave it at the uh the bricker scale level mm-hmm. you get to also hear uh, the latest episode of leave it to bricker in which lara visits the basement at the local church to find out who the fuck was buried
2: there yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i love the fact that i found a 1938 report that was like titled the digging of the gravestones at the church
0: so you know you want to get some of this uh this exclusive content you can get up to 15 exclusive podcast every month by going to patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
1: That's a lot. All right, Kevin, does thus end the business section?
0: Thus ends the business section. I'm
1: going to go ahead and pay that music out right now. Okay, so Laura, we need to talk about Denny Abbott, right? Because he's like this parole officer who kind of becomes the head of that department. He has to bring kids all the time to Mount Megs. He describes growing up in this incredibly racist place with this incredibly racist dad and like never even knowing a black person until he's an adult. Mm -hmm.
3: I was standing on the steps of the captain of Montgomery when those marchers came in. And uh, it was uh, was kind of awe-inspiring, actually, to see that kind of coalition of people demanding justice and equal rights.
1: But somehow he becomes the
2: whistleblower
1: filing lawsuits? against the state for this place. What do you think about Denny and his role in this story?
2: Denny is like the unlikely hero of this story. Like you, you pointed out, I mean, he's white, he's a probation officer. Right off the bat, you're thinking, well, he's not, I mean, not to stereotype, but based on what we've heard so far, he's not going to want to help. Like, And he notices something with the one kid, Emmett, and the fact that Emmett was only 10 when he went into the school and they're supposed to be 12. He enlists help of an attorney. but you know, then he also helps these girls that escape. And I think the fact that he was willing to put himself out there and you know take the hit in a way because obviously he's targeted when when you listen to a podcast like this and a story like this, um, like we've been talking about, this is a really heavy topic. There's not a lot of joy in this topic. It's important. It's something that we need to learn about. But when you hear about somebody like Danny Abbott, to me that sort of restores my faith in humanity a little bit, that there is somebody that is trying to change what's happening with these children, what's happening with these schools. And you know, then we hear later about the residential homes and the issues with the churches there, which is like a whole other thing with the segregated um, residential homes and So uh, good for Denny. Well, they say you're the scallywagger or carpetbagger. And, you know, I'm also,
0: I'm very aware of this trope of the white savior, uh, but it really does take somebody on the outside, somebody who, I should say, somebody who's sort of an insider, who can be the one to, to bring that to light in order to push that forward, and yeah, I mean, he seemed to be a guy who knew what he was getting into. I think, and I, I don't know if this is going to be where we segue into some more of the structural parts of this podcast, I don't think we really get to, we hear Denny along the way, but I don't think we really get to his story until maybe, is it episode 6 or about there? Up until that, I feel like up until that, we were really heavy in the personal anecdotes of all the, um, all the kids who went there, and we were not getting sort of the story itself moving forward which is you know the story's going you got to be challenging the status quo it isn't until we get to episode 6 that we start to get some more of the history of how things change and i say change kind of with a like or how uh, they were challenged how they were challenged yeah and i mean i think there was a lot that went on in those 5 episodes i thought it was really dense And I know Laura also used the same word in her notes, that there's just a lot there. And it makes it kind of, you know, from a pod... Well, I'll talk about the podcast production afterwards. But it is, I mean, the stories need to be told. The victims need to be heard. And, you know, there's a way of sort of balancing those important stories without it becoming... If you think about the podcast Believed, yeah. we had a lot of different victims telling different stories that seemed to thread the needle between just...
1: While the narrative also advanced at the same time.
0: While the narrative advanced yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Also, we mentioned St. Michael's. Surviving St. Michael's. And again, it also... Because Connie Walker is fantastic at this, but that residential school story was also the big picture and the personal picture at the same time. So... I don't want to monopolize this part of uh, this comment, but I de- definitely thought there were production things that could have been done to sort of let it breathe a little more so it's a little the information is a little more accessible to the listener.
1: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. So I just want to say, in terms of the structure of the story, like, we shouldn't hear all the stories. We should yeah, yeah. hear all the oh, stories. Oh, no, I think
0: we're cl- Hopefully we're clear on it's that.
1: The, it's the fact that we don't hear advancing of the narrative throughout the stories. So the things that are missing from the Denny story are, how does he go from being the child of a unrepentant racist who never met a black person until he was an adult to being a whistleblower? How does that happen? Like, what's the connection there? We never hear that journey, like how he flipped. We only hear like, this is, I met these girls and it was like, I couldn't be a father if, but we never hear like, Why does he change? So that's missing. The other question I have about Denny is he wrote a book without ever talking to the people who were subjects in his book. Like he didn't meet Uh, them. Wait, what? Well, Mary, the first time he ever met her was at an event for his book. That's when she came and they reunited for the first time. And I'm I'm very curious about the fact that he told this story from his perspective, and not that it's like, you know, I don't want the podcast to be like, you know, what a dick he did this. But like, that is a take that I think the podcast could have explored that like, there are stories about this story that have been told that haven't been from the perspective of the victims of this story. This podcast is doing that. Denny didn't do that. Denny was a critical figure in the story. But he wrote a book about it that didn't bring in Mary that didn't bring in you know what I mean like I just think that that's interesting and it wasn't explored and the podcast like doesn't it barely touches on the surface of what's happening there between the 60s and now barely touches it so I I think that there's um a lot of showing uh and a lot of telling but not a lot of advancing and that's when i when i say when i am saying to you kevin i agree with you i just don't want to give the impression that we think that those stories shouldn't be in
2: here cuz they should you know what i mean i think yeah right it's the way that it's, it's just so much information and the way that is presented is done for me as a listener in a way that it is just so much information that i can't even absorb it all and it's detailed and we've got everything we need to know but it's just the narrative structure for me could have been a little bit different.
3: Yeah, I guess I, I disagree a little bit. Like I, I kind of saw the first half to two thirds of it as, as sort of bearing witness. Mm-hmm. Like I think, you know, just just getting that information out there. Yep. Um and I, I I guess I didn't feel as though I was missing having the plot move along as much as it was documenting isn't quite the right word but being able to describe the reality of what that place was which which seems to be the most important part of of the thing and then you do you have you know you basically have these two white guys uh from from different sort of entrance points into the into the story but who try to move the legal system along uh to provide some relief um and yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's the reality of it. I mean, there is sort of, you know, there's the white savior thing, but there's also the reality of who has the political power and who has the legal power in the yep. situation. Yep. And and that's that's just, you know, the unfortunate reality uh, of the situation. Agreed. And I think Agreed. she does, she does make a uh, interesting case earlier about how some of the 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 black people who Uh, ran the school you know seemed as though they had to make a a lot of compromises in order to keep the funding going to keep the school going so i i yeah i guess it that didn't really you know it's a lot uh but it didn't really bother me that much as a matter of fact when it did get on to the more and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. I felt that that was the less interesting part No, of the I don't disagree story. with you at all. Yeah.
1: You, know, you know what I think the difference is for me, Toby, is that in Connie Walker's reporting, she is present in the bearing witness sections, right? So I think about stolen, surviving St. Michael's. It's not structured v- super dissimilarly from this. There are long stretches where we just hear people there's one whole episode that's literally just people telling stories about what happened to them at St. Michael's that we all agreed was one of the most powerful episodes of a podcast that we had ever heard, right? But we hear in Connie Walker's reporting so much of her being present in those conversations and um, not that she's dominating them, making it about her, but that like there's a human connection where she is our, like, she's making us be present in the conversation. And I'm not saying, like, I felt like I was bearing witness here, but that I wasn't being guided through it, like, this happened at this time, and then this happened at this time. And there were touchstones, timeline-wise, that happened disparately in the story from when the abuse happened that I was told about, that I feel like could have been laid over that would have like made me understand more why it was more egregious because this stuff was happening externally that was like really fucking was it was like this is what's happening outside, which was why it's even worse that this is happening. I don't know if I'm explaining it quite right, but um, you know I just I just it's it's like I don't know I just it it felt. By the way, this is a good podcast.
3: Yeah, good I, I was podcast. about to say, like, if the bar is Connie Walker, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. trouble.
1: No, you're totally right. You're totally right. The bar is Connie Walker. It's always trouble. So, Kevin, you, like, went one note where you said this would be an amazing book. What do you mean by that?
0: Oh, well, I think the information is great. I think it might be more digestible visually at your own pace. That's just me. I think, however, that the, the people put in the podcast part of this together, Let Josie Down, I mean, because it is so dense narratively, a couple of things that they could have done. They really could have kept the content that they had. But if they opened it up with a little more spacing, a little more dynamic relief. um, Also, I feel like what the fuck with the sound effects again? Really? Yeah. I mean, do we need to hear the tires squealing when we hear the story about the guys breaking out or like all of a sudden random birds, or or one time it's like...
1: Do folks at heart just throw those in after things get submitted to them? I was
0: was inspired by the clever use of sound effects and another true crime podcast said no one ever. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought, you know, the harmonica going on the, uh, you know, while they're on the river or some shit like that, it just was like, oh, come on. So I think, like, there's a lot of quality stuff there, but it was packed so sort of factory like soundbite narration soundbite narration yeah. uh, it just it's it, like that was one of the reasons why after a while you're just kind of like oh my god how you know
1: I, I did find myself thinking about um, uh, Alabama Astronaut a little bit because you have this story that begins with this artist right Lonnie Holly, and in the, I think it's the very last episode we hear that the theme song the rhythm for the theme, tho- theme song is based on like a rhythm he did at a live show yeah and I'm like, why wasn't more of the sound underpinning the show, the sounds of Lonnie Holly doing his art?
0: It might have been. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't know. Yeah.
1: No, but mm. why wasn't it more transparent? Like, why wasn't it that? Because I was like, that would have been so resonant. We hear he's an artist. We hear he makes music. If it had been scored with some of those sounds and some of that music and even like some of his like spoken word stuff or some of his art, like... That, to me, like would have made more sense than hearing Foley stuff and hearing demonstrative soundtrack stuff in in my I'm I'm not saying like maybe they maybe they couldn't. Maybe he didn't license the stuff to them. I don't know. But like I I think that maybe they didn't want to do a performative thing where it was like, let's just promote Lonnie Holly's art. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was with iHeart. But like when she said that at the end, I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. I wish I had heard more of that. Like in the Alabama astronaut vein, if that makes sense. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the podcast Unreformed? The story of the Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast?
2: Um, Okay, I am going to go thumbs sideways. Um, And here's why. I think this podcast had tremendous reporting, tremendous sourcing. It's something that we need to hear about. I had never heard about This situation happening in the South. I mean, we've heard about it in other areas. Like Toby said earlier, it's not surprising that this is happening. Um, For me, I really struggled listening to this podcast. Just it was very dense in the way that the information was presented. And so as a result, I don't feel like I was able to absorb all the information. So because of that, I can't go thumbs up, but I, I don't feel like this is a thumbs down because there's a lot of really good information here. It's made really well. You know, it's just for me, the information I felt like got bogged down because we had so much information. And um, for me, that made it hard to follow the story at times. Toy Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up
1: or thumbs down for Unreformed, the story of the Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children.
3: Um, Yeah, I think I like this more than than everybody else did. I, I think, you know, Kevin in the main review said, you know, it would have been nice to have a little... Little air, little room to breathe at sometimes. And and Laura was saying it's very dense, which is true. I I just kind of felt like when I was listening, I was pretty locked into these stories. (laughs) It's not an uplifting listen. Um, It's really describing both sort of personal and institutional tragedy, but it's just, it's just makes the. The hierarchies at various times uh, in Alabama, um, apparent and just the, sort of the malicious influence that this institution had. Um, and they they, they talk uh, at one point about how everybody like this one guy is talking about how like everybody I know who from that school is like either dead or in jail. Um, so anyway, you know, could it have been a little more imaginatively laid out or, or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I, I just thought it was, I, I was really fascinated by it. Uh, I was pretty locked in. The uh, I thought the narration was really good. The uh, research is really good. It's an important story. Uh, so I, get, I, give it a, I give it a strong thumbs up. But you have to be ready to listen. Like, it's not the kind of thing where, you know, you hit the gym and have it on the background. Like, you got to be focused.
1: Kevin Flynn.
0: I'm going thumbs up. I thought the stories told by the individuals that were uh, highlighted were very important. Uh, They were moving. It was definitely hard to listen to. It's not a pleasant story. So to say it's not a pleasant, it should be a pleasant listen is not, I think, what we're going for. There is definitely a difference between trying to pull people in and push them away. I think what the producers would say as they are attempting to challenge people, and I think that that's I think that's good. Um, you know, overall, it's important to tell these stories. It's in the vein of some of the other stories about residential schools and other institutional abuses that we've looked at over the years. But like Toby said, I think you got to be locked in to listen t- to a certain to a certain thing, and you know, you probably. You probably don't want to do it while you're juggling because it is easy to sort of get lost because it is so dense.
1: Yeah. So I'm giving this podcast a thumbs up. Josie Duffy Rice was the right person to do this podcast. I think Josie Duffy Rice is a great journalist, the right reporter to tell the story and did a really good job pulling together uh, the right journalism for this
0: yeah, no argument here
1: the one missing piece of the journalism for me is what is happening today whereas the accountability journalism at mount megs today i think this podcast was too long to be missing that there were too many episodes to not have a portrait of what is happening there today, like for real. Like there were hints about what's happening today. But like, what is really happening there today? And, you know, there was somebody from the 19 since the 1960s. Right, but there, there? but yeah. that wasn't part of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know that like there are sometimes demands like a podcast has to be X times long. So I would have. Perhaps asked for more time, and like done a story about today, somebody who is there today, or somebody who just came out today, or somebody who's you know incarcerated there today, and framed it around that, and then gone back. Um, so that piece for me was glaringly missing because um, it just kept going kind of getting a hint at. Like she talked to her friend who has clients there, who's like, "It's fucking awful," and I'm like, "I really need to know, like, what is the state doing now." I have to give this podcast a thumbs up. It's very, very important. It's a difficult listen. Thumbs up for me for Unreformed. The story of the Alabama Industrial School for Negro Children. All right. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. A little something I like to call the crime of, of
0: the week.
1: The week. A Sydney, Australia woman wants to know who's been having bags and bags, and bags, Lar Bricker, of soft drinks delivered to her home. The woman went on TikTok to show that over three days, DoorDash has been dropping off the unsolicited orders. They started as bottles of Gatorade, then turned to Coke Zero and Fanta. By the 31st delivery, the drivers weren't even ringing the doorbell anymore, just leaving the bags on her porch. Even DoorDash isn't sure who bought 150 bottles of soda and sports drinks and sent them to a random address. Internet sleuths suppose it's credit card thieves making repeated small purchases to see if the cards are active. For now, deliveries have stopped and DoorDash says she can keep the drinks. Panel, if this happens to this woman again, what can
2: she do to prevent all these unwanted deliveries? Laura Bricker, what do you think? I don't know She could I mean it's like She could do like a No I shouldn't say that That's not something nice I was going to say I was going to say Something about The Jehovah Witnesses Um (laughs) I was gonna say she could do like the reverse Jehovah Witness thing. So she's like, you know, the people come to her door, and she's like, "Hi, would you like to hear about our church? <laughs>
1: <laughs> would you like to read this book? <laughs> have a shasta." <laughs> Tony Ball, what do you think if this happens to this woman again? What can she do to prevent all those unwanted deliveries?
3: I think she's got to hang that I love hint bag from the uh, front porch <laughs> like we have.
0: Yeah, Kevin, what do you think? I think she should dig a moat. In And then pour all that soda in it and uh, protect herself
1: i think she should just eat a bunch of saltines and then hang a bunch of saltines outside of her house everyone's eating a bunch of crackers and that will make drinks just gonna be completely absorbed and no one want any drinks right crackers
0: crackers and they have to whistle
1: crackers are the key all right laura bricker folks want to reach out to you and ask you about the mystery of all the drinks being delivered to your house how can they find you on social media they can find me at laura bricker Toy Ball, what about you? How can you be found on social media?
3: At Toy
0: Ball NH.
1: Kevin Flynn, what about you? How can you be found?
0: Uh, for now, I'm silly Kevin P. Flynn.
1: And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular little Facebook page, by the way. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. you get the Crime Writers On after show. You'll get married with podcasts. You get live. Our Brickers Leave It to Bricker podcast and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredible Livy Burdett who lives in Brooklyn now, by the way. It's wild. Oh, got to put that in the newsletter. The executive producer of this fine program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where we are still trying to recover from Laura's toenail, randomly falling off. On behalf (laughs) of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you... Later.
2: Later. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I, if I go in the creepy, like, uh, hotel pool, maybe I'll get morto fungus and my mortos will be. Wonderful. Fall off. As long know. as you don't get Legionnaire's <laughs> disease.
0: Please don't disclose the hotel so those people aren't freaked out. <laughs> <laughs>